My name is Jenny. My name is Ted. My name is Gray. And, and this, this is Anamorphology. The invasion, the visitor, the encounter, the message, the predator, the capture, the stranger, the end, the secret, the end, the forgotten, the reaction, the chain, the unknown, the escape, the warning, the decision, the spoke, the departure, the second discovery, the proposed threat, the conspiracy, the separation, the deception, the suspicious resistance, the extreme sacrifice, the diversion, the beginning. My name is Kevin. Hooray! Welcome back, Kevin. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me back. It's been been a while. Book 25, the last one. Yep. Not a great book. (laughs) But this one. This book. How nice you're back. (laughs) Wait, wait. Let's hold on a little bit longer. How have you been since episode 25, Kevin? I have been very well. Uh, I have enjoyed listening to all of your shenanigans, particularly uh, episode 37. (laughs) Excellent. Good. Glad you were a fan. <laughs> and also glad that Gray was a fan. <laughs> and a, I was. a huge props to the, what is it, like episode 36.5, episode 36.75, episode 36.875. <laughs> yep, yes, yep. those are all very, very good. I never actually read uh, the Visser Chronicles. So, oh, really? Yeah, I had no oh, idea that nice. existed. That, that's wow. worth going and reading, for sure. Yeah, sounded very interesting. Definitely more worth it than Alternamorphs. You can just skip that. <laughs> But you can also watch our uh, YouTube broadcast, because that was a delight. That That was a delight. So how about The Hidden? The Hidden. Was it your favorite book, right? You guys, what the heck? That's kind of how I felt. (laughs) I love Buck a Human. (laughs) I have have some questions and some rants. I'm right there with you. And some confusion. (laughs) So in rereading this book, I was looking forward to this so much. I have a lot of takes in support of this book. I what? cannot completely. I'm so excited. I cannot for this. completely ignore what? the flaws, <laughs> glaring plot holes, the flaws in the text, what? and some you of the other things this? about it. But I, I do love this book. Let's not forget the Deus Ex Missile. There's, there's a lot. I'm sorry, I think you mean lot. the Seagull Ex Machina. There's a yes. lot. There's a lot to talk about. But um, Kevin, overall what did reaction. You think? Yeah. So. I was adamant that the next time I came on this uh, show, if I were to, it would be a Cassie book. So I was very pleased about mm. that. Uh, we had a lot of moral introspection. Big fan. There were a lot of interesting questions raised about morphing. Um, yes. The execution was <laughs> slapdash. You, and when you <laughs> say execution, do you mean execution of the Buffy human? Uh, that that yes. was slapdash. <laughs> yes. 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 That poor, poor Buffy human. Yeah. Uh, Buffy Human did nothing wrong. No. No, he did not. No. Well, Poor uh, Buffy Human. Oh, man. So many questions. So, so yeah. I have so uh, many Jenny, questions, too. I, I believe you have the honor the of honor. summarizing. I'm very lucky. What happens in this episode <laughs> in so, up to 60 seconds, but not more. It's possible that this will actually be somewhat close to 60 seconds, because for the whole middle of this book, I'm like, I don't know, they run through the forest. So, just a preview of my summary right, right there. So, in this book... The start, Cassie's in her barn, she hears a helicopter, and then Eric the Chi shows up, and is like, the Yerks have found the Helmicron ship. Of course, you all remember the Helmicrons, tiny aliens, very annoying. They got the morphing cube and used it to power some stuff. So the Yerks have the Helmicron ship, they have used it, they've repaired it, and now they can track morphing energy, so they're coming for the cube. So Cassie takes the cube, goes with her mom to the gardens, because that's where her mom is going, ends up like running away from controllers and stuff in the gardens... There's helicopters overhead. She hides in a truck. 
This truck has an African Cape buffalo inside it. Apparently those are extremely dangerous. She manages not to get gored by the buffalo, acquires it, uh, but then the truck is stopped. There's like a checkpoint going out of the gardens uh, that the Yerks have set up to try to find the morphing cube. She morphs the buffalo, kind of loses control, like bursts out of the truck. The actual buffalo also comes out of the truck, slams Chapman to the ground, and then they both run away. I think Cassie gets the morphing cube, but they both run away. They go into the woods where Cassie discovers the buffalo has acquired the morphing power. She watches it morph mostly into Chapman. This is extremely plausible. (laughs) So after that, there's a bunch of like running from the Yerks. All the Animorphs are together in the forest. They're really exhausted. The Yerks are in helicopters. They can't quite pinpoint the box. At one point, Eric sets up like a fake signal to make it seem like morphing energy is coming from somewhere else. Uh, They do get into a battle with the Yerks and the buffalo or buffa human, as they're calling it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> attacks and like lays waste to the Yerks. Very helpful, but they're like, this This is a huge danger to us. If the Yerks see this buffalo morphing, they might infest it. It has seen Cassie morph. That's like how it knew to morph. And so their secret might be out. So they run through the forest. Some other stuff happens. At one point, the buffalo acquires Visser 3, which is pointless, <laughs> but really great. At one point, they need to use the buffalo to escape. They need it as like a distraction. And so uh, Cassie uses its herd instincts to like lure the Yerks after it or something. I don't even know. Someone else should really be doing the summary. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing great. They they fall over a cliff and the buffa human gets really seriously injured and so does Cassie. And Cassie's like, I could leave it or I could get it to demorph with me. And she feels all guilty about how she created this situation. Uh, So she gets it to demorph and come with her, even though she knows it means they're probably going to have to kill it at some point. Then a really horrifying thing happens where an ant gets morphing power and turns into Cassie. And then Cassie demorphs and Cassie stomps on it. The end of that. Cassie gets saved by the buffa human and buffa human and Aunt Cassie fight to the death. (laughs) Is that what happens? You're underselling the moment. It's the climax of the book, Jenny. (laughs) I mean, it I'm doesn't, so sorry, Ted. It doesn't not happen. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. You know, I'm not excited. Okay. <laughs> I really want to know. Wait, what did you really say? Do what are you going to say? I'm, I'm giving a dispassionate summary right now and not <laughs> providing opinions. Oh, come on. So an ant morphs into Cassie, as we've learned. It attacks Cassie. And the buffa human saves Cassie, and uh, Aunt Cassie and the buffa human fight to the death. The ant is gone. Then they rejoin the other Animorphs, and they come up with this plan. Their plan is to drop an anvil on the helicopter. <laughs> because you know what helicopters don't do? Move. Okay. <laughs> the Helmicron ship, like the equipment, is on the helicopter. They're like, we just need to destroy the helicopter. So everyone else goes into the sea as dolphins. They bring the box with them. They, like, attract the helicopter's attention so that it will hover above them. Cassie flies really high, demorphs, and morphs to whale to fall on top of the helicopter. This is the third time she's done this plan, and by far the worst. Unfortunately, as was almost inevitable, she misses the helicopter (laughs) because she is a whale. (laughs) falling from a great height and the helicopter pilot looks up is like oh no a whale and moves (laughs) and she falls into the water 
As anyone could have predicted. Oh, I'm so sorry. I also forgot the important moment when the Buffa human defends Cassie from the Yerks and gets killed by the Yerks. Gets yeah. destroyed by Dracon Beams. Just want to make sure to give that moment its due. It was his moment of triumph. It's, yes, yes, and tragedy. So Cassie has missed the helicopter in a shocking turn of events because it was a foolproof plan. But fortunately, a random seagull flies into the helicopter's jet engine and the helicopter explodes. <laughs> Ray and Kevin are both raising their hands. Perhaps they think this is, for some reason, implausible? We'll get there. So the helicopter is destroyed. There is no more danger posed to the Animorphs from this Helmicron equipment. And uh, the day is saved. The end. Yes, Gray. It's not the least problematic part of this book. <laughs> However... I feel it is incumbent upon me to point out that helicopters, <laughs> and this is important, do not have jet engines. And here's why they don't. It is because they are helicopters <laughs> and not jet engines. So actually, helicopters do have jet engines. I looked this up. But they do not explode from bird No, they engines. don't. That's not because what happens. Because the number of bird... Because what I looked up was statistics on bird strikes and helicopters. I looked that up too! Did you see the USA.gov uh, report from five years ago? Yes, the I did. The point is, <laughs> birds can, in fact, impact uh, helicopters. They do it a lot, yeah. A lot. How do they do it, Gray? What they do is they fly into the windshield. Yes. And that can be they very injure the dangerous pilot. because yeah. the pilot can get injured in the crash. What wait, they wait, do did not they explode do then? is explode. Oh, <laughs> weird. Nothing. How did this happen then? <laughs> what a great question. Do you think it happened because the writer had seen a bunch of action movies and thought helicopters exploded really easily? I mean, <laughs> I have lots of questions about the ghostwriter and how they think the world works. That is yeah. only one of them. <laughs> But yeah, seagull sucked into jet engine. Not a, a thing on a helicopter. Thing. Yeah, no. Kevin. This ghostwriter obviously does not understand physics because at one point, <laughs> Cassie is, as she is falling through the air mid whale morph, thinking, oh no, I'm not morphing fast enough. I'm going to hit it before I'm big enough to survive the giant blender beneath me. Uh, she's like, even my extra mass is not slowing me down. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that line. Uh-huh. I, I remember reading that, and I just, no. I, okay. I need a moment. But you know yeah. what else? She's really worried. I mean, this is probably a valid fear, right? That if she hits the water, she'll crush all of her friends, the dolphins. Yes. yes. That was plausible, right? That was like a real thing to fear. Also how math, physics, and gravity work. <laughs> also water. And water, yes. I mean, and there's some surface tension there. I, I've never tried it, but I'm willing to bet that if you dropped a whale... From like twenty thousand feet in the air, and it hit the ocean. Probably still die. It's not good for yeah. the whale. No. Probably I don't think she was twenty thousand feet up, but yeah, if the dolphins can just dive. Yeah. It would be fine. They're fine. That's not who I'm worried about here. Yeah. So okay, there are a lot of times when the animorphs have like sort of a stretch as a plan. This one didn't even like. She have to go so high up that she has time to demorph and morph. But it's Cassie, so that's fast. But like, still have to be really high up. How was she planning to be directly above a helicopter? To be fair, this was Marco's plan, and he did get it from the Looney Tunes. <laughs> That's true. What problem yeah, that I right, have with that? That could have been lampshading. I don't think it was meant to be, but... Marco's like, I have a plan. It's right out of Looney Tunes. And I said, haha, Marco, good joke. And then the next line is Jake saying, yes, perfect, good plan, let's do that. <laughs> 
What? what? Well, Rachel, Great. this was your As moment. As Jake explains, they can't crash the helicopter over the forest because it could start a fire. <laughs> Can I just, I know that this is, again, these are minor points, and I, uh, we are not addressing the real issues of this book, but this is one of the real issues. About five minutes-ish in book time before whale onto helicopter terrible plan. That same helicopter lands in the forest in a clearing immediately behind five animorphs who aren't doing anything at that particular moment. So my thought there is, (laughs) could you, one of you just get onto the helicopter, find the Helmicron ship, and take it from there? Yeah. The helicopter is already on the ground with said Helmicron ship. Maybe, you know, attack your problems head Also, on. they have bird morphs. They could fly up to the helicopter. There could have been all sorts of helicopter-related shenanigans that did not happen. If a bird can, in fact, destroy a helicopter, and Cassie already thinks this is a suicide mission, may I suggest bird flying into the helicopter apparently more effective. They did cover that. <laughs> Rachel did suggest that. <laughs> yes. And they were all like, no, that's a terrible plan. Whale crashing onto helicopter. Much better plan. I mean, Gray, if it was easy, it wouldn't be any fun. <laughs> So I do appreciate that the plan didn't work. Like, that would have been worse, right? (laughs) If they're like, yeah, let's drop a whale onto a helicopter and it worked, I would have been like, I mean, I already was like, no. But it it was nice that they realized that. But, like, when you're writing a story, like, coincidences can happen, but they should make things worse. Like, it's okay for coincidences to happen if they make things worse. It's not okay for a complete coincidence to save the day. They didn't earn those seagulls there. They didn't lure them there. They aren't the reason that the helicopter was constructed to be so vulnerable to seagulls. Like, they had no agency in this. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a narrative cheat, compounded with the narrative cheat of they didn't have to decide what to do about the buffa human because the Yerks killed it for them. Like, this book was just like, all of your problems will just be taken away by other people doing stuff. Almost seems like an intentional design flaw. Do you think? No. Okay. (laughs) We haven't even, like... Everything There is so much about it. Yes. Before we get too far into the weeds, and (laughs) I have no doubt we will get there, can we just, like, talk about how terrible of a driver Cassie's mom is? She is the (laughs) worst. Okay, but is she worse than Marco? Yes. Oh, no. No, 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 no. She was not paying attention. She was in her own little la-la land doing 20 miles an hour in a 40-mile-an-hour zone, and then some guy passes her, and she freaks out and tailgates him. But you know what she doesn't do? Hit a bunch of mailboxes and then total a truck. It was a near miss. <laughs> Marco is still worse. But, you know, Marco doesn't have his license and Cassie's mom does. So different standards. In theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. No, she's a Good very point. bad driver. It's true. <laughs> but yeah, there, there was a lot of, like, you know, philosophical <laughs> drama happening with the Buffy humans. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> This book tried very, very hard. Oh, it tried so hard. To give us philosophical drama about the buff a human. And instead, what it did was make me mad. (laughs) So I want to hear. Great, why not both? (laughs) (laughs) I want to hear Ted's defense. Is it time? Is it time for your. We haven't even talked. I can't defend the plot. Okay. (laughs) So, like, the seagull blowing up a helicopter thing, I actually don't care about the cartoon physics of it. I do care about the narrative cheat of it. That, okay. it, that it, like, gets yeah. them... It, like, the deus ex machina right. from the yeah. seagull. That's that's what annoys me about it. Fine. It's also kind of like, Cassie can do this, like, 
once where she has a book where she makes a bunch of bad decisions and gets lucky like in 19 <laughs> and that book was great yeah and so here it's like again she's not really doing she's not really doing herself any favors mm-hmm. maybe because um, he's like just like built up a lot of really good karma yeah exactly <laughs> that's, that's reasonable so i do like the fact that so like the the plan is bad but yes. cassie like fails because she's like exhausted also right she gets to the end and cassie's like a superhero morpher throughout the rest of the series she can like do no wrong but here Mm -hmm. she's like okay as dumb as this plan is she can't even execute on it because she's been like pushed way past her breaking point Mm -hmm. and i like that as a character beat Mm -hmm. it's just the structure of supporting it doesn't exist but so the buffy human (laughs) the logistics by which the buffalo (laughs) gains the morphing power Oh no! Dubious are not are not justified. Thank by the you. Plot. I'm glad you agree. But the idea of a buffalo that can morph is excellent and amazing, and I will I will defend thematically what the book is doing. It's really good. I agree with you. Okay. All right. I guess I could grant that. Do we want to talk about how morphing technology works? Yes, I do. I want to talk about so that. so many questions. Gray, raised. Do you want to start? <clears throat> I have been led to believe (laughs) for 40 books, give or take, that this is a technology. Uh And the way I know it is a technology, besides being told over and over again that this is a technology, is that it requires some kind of intention. That there is a method by which these powers are given to Mm -hmm, one. mm -hmm. That it requires a certain amount of concentration and focus to use said powers. And that being able to use the Escafil device is something that requires a person who understands how the technology works to pass those powers on to the next person. And apparently... Instead, what it is, is touch this glowy thing, get the powers. <laughs> I'm just going to come back to you. That's magic. <laughs> magic cares who you are, I guess, is the thing. But, like, the thing about that is an ant walked down the cube <laughs> and an ant got to morph. There are so many morphing, like, earthworms underneath Cassie's brain right now. <laughs> Lived underneath her pump. It d- there are rules. <laughs> I don't think this makes it more magic than tech. I think this is just completely in conflict with everything else we've learned about it. We Does learned how it works. This is not how it works. Like, can you press a corner in a sequence to like turn off the, the? No, no, no. So the cube, the cube. It's not a glowy thing that gives anyone who touches it the power, right? It's a conduit. Yeah. You have to, you have to have someone who has the morphing ability. Do we know that to pass it on? That's the opening scene of the invasion. Is like Elfinger's yeah, hand is also on too. the cube. So like, but Aldrea gets the power from like she sneaks it from the device. Oh, do you think that's that a really good point. I didn't think about that. Because they yeah. do the same thing when they give David the power. Yeah. They, like, they all have to touch it. It's a little unclear, but I think it takes more than rushing by it. Right, so what David I'm saying David held is... it and didn't seem to have gotten the power. But right, but did he touch it at the same time as one of the Animorphs, right? So Probably not. Well, did he touch... Did the Buffa human touch it yes. at the same time as Cassie? No. Well, no. I don't think so. The, Neither did so the, the ant. No, the ant definitely did. It the goes out of the way have. to say there's an ant there and Cassie is brushes like it off. holding the cube and like picks up the ant while she's touching the cube and puts it on the ground. No, it says she brushes it off. She well, brushes the ant whatever. off and then the ant lands on her leg and So there, the conduit her. theory works. The thing that doesn't make sense, and maybe Kevin has a better defense than I do, is in the truck, Cassie puts the cube on the floor, 
acquires the buffalo and then morphs buffalo and breaks out. Mm-hmm. There's never any explicit discussion of them touching it at the same time. No, no. And then Cassie's justification in the book when she meets the buffy human in the forest, morphing, is like, it must have brushed past it on its way out of the truck, which to me is, is a... Ludicrous. And so. also, there's just so much about animal intentionality that doesn't make sense. Like Ray was saying, to morph something, you have to first touch it and focus on it. So I guess I'm assuming that when the buffalo rammed Chapman with his head, he was focusing on acquiring his DNA. Okay. And then you have to focus to get yourself to turn into the thing, which like is a little bit plausible with like the buffalo imitating Cassie. But the ant? So I have some thoughts. <laughs> I have some thoughts too. Kevin, you go, go okay. first. Okay, please this go is, on. This is the stuff I want to get into. So when it comes to the buffalo morphing into Chapman, mm-hmm. he sees Cassie as a buffalo change into a human. Yep, yep. And then he has this ability now for I don't know how he acquired reason. Chapman, but sure. When okay. he headbutted him, supposedly. Yeah, that's, that's not how it works. No, it is not. <laughs> but it's fiction. <laughs> No, 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 no. Fiction has to make more sense than reality. You do not get to just slap fiction on this and say, therefore, it doesn't have to make the sense. The world's That's a crazy place. Like, nothing is anything up and down, left is right. It's, it's all just probabilities. This is not in my case. Okay. But, but seeing somebody like change into a someone human. Someone in your herd. Yes, yeah, someone sure. in your herd do this thing. Like, oh. If if you're like laser focused on like this thing that you've been following, it does this thing. You're gonna have that vision of a human in your head. Yeah, I'll, I'll add that one. Morphing yeah. is about like holding the image of the thing that you're mm-hmm, going to be transformed mm-hmm. to in your head. It's not very good at it. The first time it tries to change to a human, it kind of like half does it. Yeah. And it's it's not great. It gets better as time goes on. It acquires Visser Three when <laughs> Visser Three like. Hoax its wounds. Yeah, it's just like, uh, and then he stumbles away drunk. There was foreshadowing. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, oh no. <laughs> yep. By the way, does morphing make you immune to shock? I'm sorry, what? Does morphing make you immune to shock? Well, I know I heard you. <laughs> because the, the, re- the reason, because like, well, is how much is shock physical and how much is it mental? Right. Like, that's do you mean the, like, like like the going to a state of shock from yeah, being wounded? Yeah. Because the, the buffalo gets an arm and an eye stalk lopped off, and it's just like I'm madder now. Huh. If I lost an arm, I'd be like, I was using that. <laughs> you bring up an interesting point about how morphing requires intentionality, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is certainly the way that we think about it and the way the animorphs think about it. Mm-hmm. But ignoring buffy human shenanigans from this book, there are tons of times when the animorphs morph when they're unconscious or they have other kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, how did we get out of this situation? You know, like we don't remember morphing or demorphing, but like somehow we managed to do it. Right? Cassie so, semi-consciously re- uh, yeah. demorphs after like, you know, getting blown up half whale. Right. It's usually like they'd already started morphing or like they're dreaming about themselves. They usually like flag somehow that they're like a little bit focused on it. Right. And so but, the fact, I think yeah. the fact that it's a technology and not magic makes this more plausible that a non-sapient species could use the morphing ability. So, But an ant? No. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no. Because you have... Because, because in the first book... Listen, I have had to read 40-some-odd whatever of these damn books. <laughs> and I am here to tell you that in the first book, I was told by Elfengor himself that in order to morph, it takes... And I'm going to just quote this because, you know, I feel like I Why should. Not? Yeah. It requires concentration and determination. But if you are strong, you can do it. There are limitations. 
but you have to be able to concentrate on what you're doing. And with determination, decide that you are doing that. How and does an ant do that? So, so How does the ants have no imagination? Right. So remember, it's not magic. <laughs> if if a genie told me you have to concentrate in order for this to work, I wouldn't expect my dog to be able to do it. Yeah. But if you built software on top of a source of morphing energy that was supposed to, you know, deal with a variety of complicated organisms out in the world where there's like some triggering mechanism for acquiring something and some other triggering mechanism for transforming yourself into that thing, I could easily imagine a technology that the simpler a species that gains access to it, the simpler that trigger mechanism becomes. Oh, so, non-sapient, non-sapient. So like, what are the odds that Andalites are like testing morphing technology on defeat birds? <laughs> Very, very low. I want right? to see the Andalite literature on non-sapient species. Maybe they Earth, haven't tested Earth it. Earth has tons and tons of, like, Earth is is canonically in the series the most diverse place mm-hmm, in terms mm-hmm. of species on the planet, right? So the idea of having technology, if it were given to the buffalo in a, in a way that was grounded better by the plot, right? It totally <laughs> makes sense to me that you could create the, like, problem that this book wants to discuss, which is, what if you give an animal that can't think the ability to turn into a human? This is a doctoral thesis on the end of life homeworld. <laughs> okay, this is fascinating, because, like, my argument was that, like, you can't expect morphing to work completely differently for an ant than for a human, but you're saying that maybe you should. That humans don't morph randomly. Like, we never, ever see the animorphs just randomly morph, except for when Rachel has that allergy. And Marco. And Marco has that. He doesn't randomly morph, though. They, he always intends to They morph. have those, like, oh, swole yeah. frontal lobes. That's, like, what humans <laughs> are all about, right? Right, so maybe there's something about the human mind that is keeping us in our form once we have the morphing power that our ability to conceptualize ourselves as human keeps us human and if an ant doesn't have that if an ant doesn't have a sense of self we know for a fact that it does not which is why it starts screaming bloody murder so then it could you're saying it could just not have the ability to keep itself in its own form yeah so like imagine imagine no no no, not monkey see monkey do that's the buffalo, because the ant isn't even following anyone's. The ant yeah. must just the, happen the, the completely ant randomly. The ant transforms to Cassie right after she transforms. Uh, Ants from can't the see that. I well. would. So I mean, my headcanon is that the, the ant just is. It's completely random. Yeah, I think it would. So the ant is so primitive that basically the way that I the way that it makes sense to me is that the morphing technology is like great. I've got a new mind. I'm going to make it morph. Like oh boy, this ant. Really simple. So I'm going to take half its brain and replace it with the ability to morph right I'm now. I'm so right? mad that this almost makes sense. I'm it so mad. Don't, get, don't let them get away with this. Hold just, strong. Hey, I'm just throwing this out there. Ants have about 100,000 neurons apiece. So. Okay, I, I didn't expect to get attacked for oversimplifying <laughs> ant brains. <laughs> but I'll take it. You have to be able to so, concentrate on the thing you're acquiring purposefully acquire its DNA and then concentrate but on that DNA. And the buffalo is certainly concentrating on Chapman as it charges towards him and headbutts him, right? The the time the time it takes to map it's, the DNA into its system, that's kind of fast. impossible, yeah. right? Because the anamorphs always say that it takes time. Yeah. But the idea that it could happen, I think, is pretty plausible. Yeah, and maybe the ant, I mean, the ant can't really focus, but it is aware of Cassie as it's climbing over her. Very, very quick sidetrack. Shouldn't Visser 3 have known that this was not an Andalite as soon as it transformed into him? And don't tell me he doesn't recognize his own Andalite body. Oh, but it's a it's the, the sexy new Aloran 
without any like battle scars. You oh. know, like, do scars transform? No, I, it doesn't make sense. I mean, Bishop Three <laughs> is clearly a, a fool. Also, and only because I know I'm going to forget if I don't mention it now. That giant acid octopus blob thing that he turns oh, into. Yeah. How did he acquire that? Because apparently, <laughs> like on contact, it just like burns you horribly. How do you touch it to get its oh, DNA? No. Oh no! While well, it's sleeping. What? But its substance burns you. Maybe it goes into a shell. <laughs> Maybe his hand did get burned, but then he demorphed and or he morphed and demorphed so that it was healed. This three is just walking collateral damage. He murdered like three Horkbajiras. Just like get out of my way. Oh, by the way, acid melt. Yeah, yeah. They must be running out of Horkbajir. Yeah, you guys mentioned this, I think, in, like, episode 35 or something, but they must have a breeding program or something, right? I would assume. Toby grew up real fast. I mean, yeah, but, like, I don't know how well they breed in captivity. Yeah, and they maul or dismember at least two dozen a book. That might not be wrong, yeah. Prodigious birth rate is important when breeding an army. So the buffa human. (laughs) Yes, the buffa human, go on. The buffa human, yeah. So, right, so, anything else to say on the, the way that the book sets up the existence of a buffalo that has acquired Chapman and Visser 3. I feel the like... the mechanics of it, I've given my best shot at defending. <laughs> you did that was a surprisingly so. good shot. I'm annoyed at how good a shot that was, actually. I think the book no. doesn't... Yeah, Gray's <laughs> not bu- buying it. The book doesn't earn The it. book doesn't question any of... Like, I feel like Cassie should question this, because Cassie knows how morphing works. And she's never like, how did this ant manage to visualize but, a human when humans are too big to hand, conceptualize? She's presented... Like, it would be better if she was like, this shouldn't be happening, but... Yeah. Yeah. Right, I guess the fact that she's not questioning it more makes us question it more. Why, yes. is, why is Cassie just accepting this instead of yeah, being they like, didn't, I didn't think that's how it worked. They didn't even present your thing of like, it's different for simpler minds. Right. Like, it's one of the limitations of the medium, but you guys, the audience, cannot see how skeptical a face Gray is making right now. She's just <laughs> not, absolutely livid. I'm not buying this, and I'm very annoyed about the whole thing. <laughs> Don't worry, Gray. There's more. Should we tell the audience the extra wonderful thing about today? I had a bunch of whiskey before coming on this podcast. Also, you guys, <laughs> let me tell you a true story. I was already annoyed about this, and then I had some whiskey, and I am even more annoyed about this. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, I just want you to drink whiskey before every book you don't like. It's so good. <laughs> I have a lot of liver problems. Do we want to say more about the way the mor- like the morphing rules and stuff, or should we get into like? Let's talk who more the about Buffy Human. human. Uh, how, how can I, you not love Buffy? I, I, I was okay. empathetic. Okay, all right. It's, it's like Let's... seeing your beloved pet die at the end when Cassie says. You're good, Buffa Human. And no, then it was... explodes. <laughs> and then it explodes. The this thing... was very much an old yeller moment. Where it's she... exactly that. It's not that. <laughs> she thought she was going to have to be the one to pull the trigger. The thing where she tells the Buffa Human it's good, I was like, oh, and then the okay, Buffy, fine. It, it lifts its head all proudly and then... Yeah, no, that, then, that got me. And the whole that thing, they're like, Cassie keeps being like, hey, Animorphs, you know, like Buffy, it's so weird, but maybe we just need to like find a way that, you know, we can teach it. And all the other Animorphs are like, Cassie. (laughs) And Jake is like, so Cassie, if it becomes too human, you know, sorry, babe, but you can't keep it. You just can't keep it. (laughs) Right? I know it follows you home. (laughs) (laughs) Even Ash is just like, I acquired some human DNA. Does that make me human? Yeah, this thing where Cassie keeps harping on like, but it has human DNA in its bloodstream. It's like, you have a lot of DNA in your bloodstream. Doesn't make you a lobster. It... (laughs) 
Yeah, that's weird. I don't. I, I guess I don't really it was like that. it has the potential to become human. Therefore, if we kill it, we're sort of like killing this potential human. I, I just okay. So just one last thing about the, just Buffy human specifically. <laughs> as, as, a, the, as a person, as, the character of Buffy human, <laughs> as an animal who has shown up in this thing. <laughs> Actually, two quick things. One uh, related to the text, and one related to the animal facts. One is that at the end, Cassie uses Buffy human as a metaphor for what they're going through. Yeah, that was real weak. Yeah. I understood the buffalo better. Its survival and protective instincts were strong, fiercely and powerfully strong. And in that way, we were the same. How many times had my friends and I fought to protect our species from the Yurk invasion? Okay. The thing is. That is 72%, 91% of the way through this damn book. And that is the weakest metaphor. Oh, yeah. Just, it's that very parallel bad. was never drawn. That was, no. And also, no. while the majority of the time, the narrator, the ghostwriter, is pretty good about using its mm-hmm. to describe this buffalo and not gender it, there are a few times when the ghostwriter slips and uses his, mm. which is not how Cape buffaloes work. Guess I looked this up. This is quite cool, I think. Cape buffaloes live in two distinct herds. One comprised almost entirely of males, Uh two different kinds of male groups. There's one for younger males and one for older males. Okay. And then there's a mixed gender group that is the herd that's matriarchal. And the calves live in that group and are protected by the matriarchs of the Cape buffalo group. So this should have been a female buffalo if we're going to make that analogy. And it wasn't. It was male. Also, totally side note, but because I was looking at Cape buffalo facts, I'd just like to tell you that the place in the middle of its forehead where the two horns meet is called a boss. Ooh. <laughs> and I yes. think that's very cool. That's Cape buffalo is cool. 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 This book, fact. very annoying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there kept being this thing about like, maybe we'll learn to speak. It's like, it's human brain is developing. And I was yeah. like, I'm pretty sure that's not how morphing no. works. Shouldn't Chapman's consciousness be like trying to fight the buffalo? No, no, no that's no. also not how morphing works. Because you can... <laughs> Except in the last book. Right. Except in... Was it With 36? the orca. 36. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, this thing where like, oh, well, if it keeps morphing human, it'll get smarter. I don't think that... No. That, it's not like... How the mind would not retain advancement. Well, they, that's... No, that's definitely not true. But I do think that there's something to the idea of... A non-sapient creature morphing a human, and we've seen you get that, like that would be you get instincts, yeah. right? So like for humans with this technology, it would totally make sense to me that imitative behavior and mm-hmm. like basic language ability would be part of what the instincts that you get, yeah, as like something in human morph. Yeah, right? agreed. So like the stuff that the buff a human does, it's not convincing to me, but I understand why. It would be, seem very remarkable to Cassie, and why like it could come across this way. Yeah, and I do think it would be fascinating for them to have to deal with like a buffalo that was trapped in human morph, and like see how that would progress. Because so they say you don't get the animal's full brain. I don't know what that exactly means. Like we've never really had to question that exactly because. With humans, I mean, instincts is a questionable thing. Like, do you get the whole brain but no memories? Yes. Is that what we're saying you get? Yeah. Okay. 40 books worth of you telling me that's what we get. That's what we get. But, like, the whole brain (laughs) but no memories. The whole brain. Okay. So I guess then you would get the ability to learn language. You just would have missed the developmental years. But you might get some more of that because... Again, in the world of the Animorphs, when they morph dolphins, they can, like, talk 
to whales and do all this other stuff, right? So, like, there's evidence that, like, intelligent language behavior somehow... Are dolphins talking to whales in a language? Like, well, it seemed to be sort of universal <laughs> symbols. It does seem like learned behavior, though. Right. And there, Still. I'm sure there are lots of other behaviors that count as instincts. Like, the, the <laughs> there are a lot of things that are taught, right, mm-hmm. that the animorphs can probably do, quote-unquote, instinctually in their mm. animal forms, right? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know that we actually fine. see a lot of evidence of that. But that does not. What about even like the fighting skills that they get from as like a horpajir? Like there are a oh, lot of. But horpajir do have instinctive fighting skills. They don't get taught. <laughs> the cave buffalo. Just say canonically. The, the buffalo human did learn to walk remarkably quickly. <laughs> yeah, but, it was just a throwaway but, line. But they no. did have some interesting like new information about the process of morphing and the toll it takes on the one who is morphing. Yeah. Um, because she laments that she's been. Morphing and demorphing and morphing all day and all night. Which, by the way, that helicopter must have had a huge fuel reserve because it just kept on going. And those <laughs> it things probably are not landed efficient. and they failed to take advantage Apparently of that. Apparently, it's just a thwack, 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 thwack the entire time. <laughs> but um, she fear. she says that she's exhausted um, and she morphs into the wolf and it's completely fresh. But every time she re, uh, she demorphs back into her human form, she is weighted down with all of the exhaustion that she has gone huh. throughout yeah, the day. Okay. So, again, it was a throwaway line. It answers line. some of our questions from 25, though. It yeah. does. So, uh, but it also, it, it also kind of counteracts it because, you know, okay, they are freezing to death. They mm-hmm. demorph and they're like, oh, brief moment of warm and I'm cold. This one, it seems like if you took the theory from this book and applied it to 25, every time they remorphed into a human, they would be just as cold as they were when they left off. It's like hitting I don't know, because exhaustion is sort of internal, and cold is something that you take in from the outside. I would say that hypothermia is pretty internal. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a really good point. They do also, at one point, say, we had to morph from a fly to a human to a wolf to whatever. She lists, like, four mores they have to do, and Cassie says, this is more than we've ever had to do before. Which it is not, because would you like to count the number of morphs in 36, for example, when oh. it's like, orca, human, orca, human, orca, human, and this then was other things. This was a lot, though. This was like, I don't know how they were even still conscious. Mm-hmm. I so don't know either. I want to go back to something you were saying about the buffy human. Like, it would be interesting if it got stuck in human morph and they had to decide what to do with it, right? So uh-huh. the thing that I like about the humanity of the buffy human is that... As fr- like, I think part of the frustration about, oh my god, this is breaking all the rules of everything, right, is that it's like, okay, obviously, smart things, sapient things can use the technology, and then, like, the buff a human can't, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's actually, like, it, it makes way more sense to me that there would be this whole gray area to explore in terms of, like, what animals in what ways, empowered by what technologies, approach human-level intelligence and, yeah. and rights and stuff, right? It's a super interesting area to think about. So I think the buffy human represents, for the Animorphs, kind of a Turing test of humanity, right? So the Turing test is like, how can you tell if an AI is as smart as a human? You put it behind a wall, have it talk to a human, and if the human is convinced, then the AI wins. It passes the test, right? Uh-huh. So... The buff a human is human enough that it convinces Cassie. Not all the other animals, <laughs> right? But Cassie is not our baseline for this. <laughs> just, it's but just I, I'm just saying the idea of like, okay, it looks like a human. It seems to be able to learn language. It seems to be able to like imitate my behaviors. That's all stuff that obviously it feels very, very real. And it like it it makes Cassie want to ask these questions and like come to an answer. Right, like that's 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 what I love about what this book is trying to do. 
Cassie has, in her books, faced a number of very important, necessary, and interesting moral quandaries. This is not one of them. I didn't say it was important. (laughs) I kind of get what Ted is saying. I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that it's like a mammal with a certain like sense of like herd mentality. Like it, if it was a chicken that somehow developed the ability to morph, like. No, that would be terrifying, because a human-chicken hybrid, like, no, it's just going to look at you with its cold, dead eyes and may or may not eat you, given the opportunity. But a buffalo, like, it, it's a loyal pet. It followed her around. It protected her. It, yeah. it claimed her as its own. That I'm fine with. I'm very on board with Cape Buffalo as a good individual animal. Uh-huh. Love this buffalo. Want one for a pet. <laughs> Super happy to have it follow you around. Sad that it died. Fine. As soon as Cassie is trying to make me care about whether or not this buffalo counts as a human, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she starts out, Cassie starts out being, her, when she sees it morphing into Chapman, she's like, oh my god, it's a freak of nature, right? And then she grows to love it. And then she sees an ant growing out of the ground into, into her own naked body. Good thing Jake was not there. And then, like, that know, might have like had some serious repercussions for their relationship. <laughs> this is this is the thing, Jenny. Wait, I cannot I cannot believe you did not remember Aunt Cassie. I did is, not remember. I'm sorry. Most... It's not called Aunt Cassie. It's Cassandra. Just to be clear. Go on. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you had that one on tech. I love it. I hate this book. <laughs> Cassandra is the most horrifying thing in the Animorphs book. This is pictures keep like stayed, popping out and like getting sucked back into with her me cheeks. Ever since I read it, it is so oh. terrible. It is so so bad. It is absolutely the worst thing that I can possibly imagine. And Cassie's like, yes, this is a freak of nature. I don't care that it has human DNA. It's it got gored. I got saved by the Buffy human. It gored Cassandra, and now Cassandra is demorphing and will continue to live. No, I will stomp the ground until it dies. No, no, Cassie yeah. does Buffy, not. Buffy human saved her after she got mauled by Cassandra. Yeah, but this is this is a lie. As nice as Cassie is about like, <laughs> oh, shouldn't we save all the animals? Shouldn't I save the termite queen or whatever? Cassie will not stand for this. <laughs> Cassie is totally okay making a game time decision to yeah, no, that crush was fascinating. Cassandra yeah. and does never, never questions I'm it. I'm kind of surprised right? she didn't just like miss the rest of the mission, just like repeatedly stamping <laughs> into the ground, just shouting no over and, like, and over again. Yeah. And as absurd as it is, that's like, this is the world that they live in, where like mm-hmm. Cassie mm-hmm. is in the middle of this like life or death situation where she has, she's like completely helpless to be attacked by this like ant monster. And her way out of it is to get saved by another like human animal hybrid that then like fight, fight to the death in front of her. And it's like, what? It's completely absurd <laughs> and pointless. I think that's why it right? didn't make a big impression on me. The thing where it's absurd and pointless. I, I, I maintain my favorite part of the entire encounter, though, was just, like, the buff of humans standing proudly. Just, like, it has its victory pose right before it explodes. No, the, the uh. thing where, like, she first tells it, like, yes, you are good, like, that really got to me. The but, noble cape buffalo. Yeah. So, Ted, going back to the, the Turing test idea. Yeah, there's the Turing test, but there's also the thing where humans tend to anthropomorphize everything. And there are some animals that we do anthropomorphize, and there are some that we just, like, don't like ants. But, like, mammals, like, especially animals that might be pets, like dogs, like, 
we are so quick to like impute all sorts of like human emotions and motives and everything to animals. And so I feel like that's a little bit of this confounding factor where like it doesn't necessarily say anything about the buffa human that Cassie, who loves animals and like cares about them. Sometimes she says more than humans. Like, I don't know if it says anything about the buffa human that she's willing to value it in this way. I'm just trying to pose the same question, which is like, what would it take? Right. Like, of course, it's so easy to anthropomorphize an animal trapped in the body of a human, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it looks like your, you know, it's naked assistant principle. principle that you... No, no, not naked. Covered in dark fur, fortunately. <laughs> the first time. I'm pretty sure he's naked for much of the second half of the book. No, I think that is true also, yeah. Which, cool. it's a good thing they were in the woods, because otherwise Chapman's going to lose his job. He is a sex offender now. <laughs> okay, but if a morphed copy of you does something, can you be the blamed? The police don't know about this. <laughs> I don't think the Animorphs are going to, like, try to clear his name. <laughs> no, no. Um, I just, what are you saying? I don't remember what I said. Hold on. It'll come back to um, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to break No, I had a note on, but, like... But the, the point is, like, like going back to 28, right? Which, actually, there is, there is like, a callback to that here, where Rachel's like, we know what happens to animals. Like, you know, they get turned into burgers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's just kill the buffy human. It doesn't matter. It's not a person. That's also probably where I would come down on this issue, right? Despite my absolute love for this particular buffy human. But the question is there, like, buffalo are sentient, right? They could have rights as animals, right? So, like, how much how much technological empowerment do you have to give them before you can convince most people that mm. they're as people as people are, right? Like, that is an interesting question. But it's also moot because they kill sentient beings all the time out of necessity. And the four other members of the group are very adamant in saying, if five. we don't... Yeah, five, excuse <laughs> me. If we don't kill this thing... We're going to die, so we got to kill it. So the other thing, so the Turing test, again, is not about truly creating an AI that has consciousness or human-level intelligence. It's just mm, about fooling other fooling people, humans. right? Yeah. So that's why yeah. I think it's relevant. Cassie, yeah, Cassie is convinced. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no problem in honoring and respecting this buffalo for <laughs> what it has done. <laughs> this buffa human is having the worst day any animal has had so far in these books. And I include many of the other interactions the animals have had with animals like the slaughterhouse. What about the ant? The ant, (laughs) maybe even having a slightly... (laughs) We haven't mentioned this yet, but the way Cassie understands what the ant is going through is that it is experiencing... The horrors of existential individuality for the first time before it is gored by a buffalo and then crushed by a human foot. Right. So that actually might be worse. (laughs) Again, briefer. Buffy human. (laughs) Buffy humor has that same existential crisis over and over and over and over again. If what we're understanding is every time it morphs, it goes back to zero instincts. Even if it doesn't, because apparently it has some sort of language acquisition between each time it morphs. Fine, whatever. Let's not forget the repeated goring and like multiple broken bones. It jumps off a cliff. At one point... It follows Cassie off a cliff, whereupon it crashes to the bottom of a ravine, is broken in a number of places, is in an incredible amount of pain, watches its fellow buffalo morph into human, decides that's a good idea, does that, only to go through another several battles, much more awful times in general, until it is exploded by a dracon beam. My point is this buffalo is having a very bad day for a number of reasons. Yeah. That is enough for me to care about it 
without me having to go through this whole... <laughs> is it kind of human? Is it a human? Am I a lobster? Honestly, after, <laughs> after she let it off a cliff, I'm kind of surprised that Buffalo still had any well, compassion for Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> just like, wait a minute. I don't trust you anymore. I just... I, I really do love the Buffy human. I just think that making this... It's forcing Cassie to have a moral dilemma that is not justified by what is happening in the book. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's I think that makes yeah. me like the Buffa human less. Like I think if it had been treated a little more realistically without this, but it has human DNA, then I think I would have been more on Cassie's so yeah. I Yeah, there's like we can talk about like the pacing and what kind of story they're trying to tell. What I feel pacing. like, the, well, yeah. So <laughs> I, what you just said though, one of the problems that I had reading at this time was like. This feels sort of like Cassie, but it also feels like it's kind of just cashing in on who Cassie, who we know Cassie to be, yeah. and mm-hmm. not really doing the work of like providing any space for like mm-hmm. nuance to develop, right? So like, it makes sense that you would like the Buffy human because it's really awesome. Yeah, it fights Mister Three. It's hilarious, right? Like it knocks <laughs> right. him out. How can you not love Buffy human? Yeah. After all the cool things it does. Sure. But it's. I feel like it's not. You know, she thinks about, like, oh, you know, I saved, like, she she remembers, like, Karen and Aftran. She she thinks back to all of this stuff. But, like, you You're know. just making Buffa human look worse by comparison, by well, remembering that, like. <laughs> no, but have one brief so, like, of the, emotional growth, though. The bit where she says to the Buffa human, you're good, it's it's just like the it's okay moment back in 19. Oh. But it's, it's, like, not earned, right? It's, like. It's not yeah. earned. And because it's not earned. One of the things that they have to do to make you have emotions of some kind at the point when the buffalo dies is putting it through egregious animal cruelty in a way that is unnecessary and unjustified, like the jumping off the cliff and the description of this poor, broken animal trying desperately to follow its herd leader. It is... It's egregious and it is unnecessary. And I found the whole, every so often it'd be like, oh, you know what we haven't talked about in a while? Here's that Buffa human again and it's going to go through some shit and you're going to just have to suffer with it so that someday when it dies, you'll feel sad. And I was like, no! I mean, the the Buffa human did kind of like keep following them around. At some point, personal agency does have to factor in. It just, it just wanted friends. Buffa human did nothing wrong. Buffa human did nothing wrong. This is the ghostwriter and Cassie. I am just saying. Yeah. So, do the ghostwriter and Cassie share equal blame? No, is wait. So, great. What you're saying is, as soon as they realized that they had a responsibility to the Buffa human, they should have switched their priorities to getting it to safety and not leading it on this wild goose chase to save the world. Sure, but also we're going to eventually have a conversation about the goose chase that they're on because I have some thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) It was not a goose chase. Before we move on to the goose chase, I just, Ted, you were talking about like how in 19, Cassie had like difficult moral decisions and she got kind of saved by like something that felt very earned. Yeah. And it was just really striking me when we were talking about the everything that the (laughs) Buffy human went through, how hard they were trying to force a moral decision. And then they just take the moral decision away from her. Twice. Like... Because the anvil plan didn't work either. Well, that's not a moral decision. I mean, that was taking agency away. But, like, this whole thing is like, oh, no, and I'm going to be up to be the one to kill it. And, oh, no, can I bring myself to do this? It just dies. Yeah, the Yurks just kill it. Blow it up. With their guns. We might have already said that. In the Yurks' defense, that buffalo had been causing a lot of problems. 
I mean, the Yerks are evil. They don't need a defense here. <laughs> but the book needs a defense for not giving Cassie the moral dilemma that it so, posed to her. on the subject of the book and the ghostwriter, has this ghostwriter written any others? Surprisingly, uh, yes, yeah. Okay. Oh, I think like 27. Hold on, let me, huh. let me look it up. The reason I ask, because this book was also significantly shorter than most of It was of very them. short. It was yeah. very, very short. Like, uh, I, it was only, it was listed as 122 pages in uh, the Amazon app, and oh. it only goes to 89%. After that, it's a preview for the next book. <laughs> so, this is very, very short by Animorph standards. Well, so I think a big part of why it was so short, because there wasn't really any plot. Like, it was a chase movie. Yeah, it, but it was just a chase. Like, a chase and the chase didn't go movie. through any, like, a big stages. Mostly they're just in the woods. Mm. All right, so do you guys want to guess? It was 27, and what other Animorphs book? Uh, let's see. 36. Nope. That person never came back. Oh, 34. Right. Nope. I saw it. 29. I nope. 30. No, nope. not 30. 31. It was 31. Okay. <laughs> Which it's running out of 31. The Jake and Tom in the woods. Ugh. <laughs> Why does this person like chase scenes in the woods that don't make any sense? <laughs> she probably didn't write the plot outline. Still. But we loved, we lo- we liked 27 a lot and we loved 31. Yeah. So yeah. I, I guess I when you have a hammer, everything 30. looks like an owl. <laughs> when you have an anvil. <laughs> this, like, I don't know if I can blame the ghostwriter for this. This was such a nonsensical outline. Yeah, the plot's really cool. And there's a re- like, I didn't work too hard to figure out the exact beats in, like, the middle of the summary, because honestly, they just don't matter. Like, they're just running through the woods. They really could have done some other things. Yep. This whole thing where, like, the Chi come up with this decoy signal, they're like, once the Yerks find it, they'll know. Why don't the Chi keep moving it? Or make a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> or... I just want to go back to chapter one when Eric shows up and is like, hey, so go get the cube and get out of here. We know that Eric can get to the bottom of the ocean in less than 15 minutes. Yeah. So why couldn't he just take the Escafil device to South America? Well, the Animorphs just, you know... a great question. Just go and find the Helmicron ship. Why can't the Chi drive them around so they don't have to run through the forest all night? Perpetual bystanders. The Chi don't want to get involved because the Animorphs... Driving a car is doing violence to the ozone layer. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, in the middle of chapter 12, when I had mostly given up on this book anyway, but decided, (laughs) no, I'm really giving up, they're deciding how to get the Escafil device... Across the road. Which conversation continues for most of this chapter, and eventually they come up with a plan. Fine. Here's a thing that Tobias suggests that mm-hmm. made me lose my mind. Tobias says to them, We could break down the cube and each carry a piece <laughs> across the road. Which So what you're telling me is all of this time when there has been some concern about one of them having the Escafil device and what happens if Cassie tries to defend the buffalo and therefore drops the cube and and they are worried that the Yerks are going to get it and what happens if one of them gets shot and the Yerks get the cube? You're telling me that this whole time when this has been the... Let's call it plot. <laughs> you can't see my air quotes, but plot. They're, They're very large. What you could have done is taken this Escafil device apart, like the puzzle box it apparently is, and sent each piece of this cube off in different directions until Visser 3 realizes that his new technology doesn't actually work, kills the scientist working on it, and goes on to his next plan. <laughs> him to the taxon in the you, floor. We could have just 
Why? It breaks down into pieces? Why? Okay, no, here's my here's my rebuttal. I will actually defend this slightly. How dare? I'm so excited. We don't actually know that it breaks down into pieces. They pretended it broke down into pieces in 22 to trick David. Tobias probably just remembers that and is confused, and no one wanted to say anything because they didn't yeah. want to be rude to Tobias. You know, it's really, sure. the, the sub-theme is like the nature of false memories. I mean, <laughs> we're back to the hammer. I mean, given enough time and a big enough hammer, maybe you could make it into pieces? I have to say... Why don't they just destroy this thing? Well, I don't understand why they still have it. It doesn't, even if you, listen, this is a very powerful piece of technology. I understand you might want to keep it for emergencies. No! Like after for what purpose no, would you have destroy it? destroy it. They're not going to make another David. Destroy, destroy it, it is better. <laughs> but break it into pieces and send it in 20 different directions is also good. Hey, Give one piece each cheat. Great, great. Remember how you thought that, <laughs> you thought that there were going to be more animorphs? Yes, I did. <laughs> did they break down this Would thing? you call this an no, antimorph? No, but I'm just, I'm just saying... <laughs> We get two new animorphs in this book. <laughs> I would not call it an antimorph because I have more self-respect than that. And no, I refuse. An anamorphalo. <laughs> I hate it so much. I did at one point as the buff a human morphs into Visser 3, they call it a buffa andalite, and yes. I just noted that all andalites are buffa because they have lots of muscles. No, and and apparently 0% of, uh, body fat. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, I just have to say, so this is, I think, an attempt to marry a Cassie 4 book and a Cassie 9 book. <laughs> wow, really they need a good, divorce. Horribly astray. It's not really as good as the four books, the pure four books like 14 and 24, or the pure 9 books like <laughs> 19 or 29. But I love, absolutely love, the entire chapter where the buffa human acquires Visser 3, morphs Visser 3, Fights Visser 3 and no, knocks Visser 3, 3 unconscious <laughs> before running off into the woods. Which we need to, if we're going to keep the buffy human around, this, we need to explain double wait, tap. No, no, no. Just because Visser 3, as it, it, it demorphs to Andalite, and Visser 3 says, You, Andalite Bandit! And points, and the buffy human, all it does is mimic, so it points back. And then charges in tail fighting. It's so good. You guys, I would like also like to point out that apparently Visser 3 was so impressed by Visser 1 during the trial with her human gesture that is very effective that he has, he has picked it up for his own. Oh, that's good. He's been waiting for a time to dramatic... Actually, no. He's just been dramatically pointing at everyone since the trial. Uh, I wanted to put the Buffy human out of its misery, and I also wanted to put myself out of its misery. So, Gray, how would you have done it? If Eric shows up in the <laughs> Not that. If Eric... if Eric showed up at the barn and said the Yurks are after the Escafil device, they can probably also sense you guys when you're morphing. What would you have done to protect the Escafil device? I mean, I like all of the options we've thought mm-hmm. of so far. Destroy it. Give it to Eric and say, Great, can you go hide this in the Pemelite ship, mm-hmm. please? Okay. Thank you. I thought the Pemelite ship was destroyed. No. no I don't know. The Pemelite ship's underwater somewhere. It's in that, Go like, Navy bombing ground or whatever. That sounds like a really good place to put an Escafil device. Yeah. You yeah. owe us because we did this stupid thing with the Pemelite ship. Wait, that you mm-hmm. probably could have handled it. He could throw it in a volcano. There's mm-hmm. so many right? things he Eric could just go could throw do. it in they a volcano. They can definitely destroy this thing. They just aren't. He's functionally indestructible. Why doesn't he just, like, eat it? Yeah. <laughs> Here, just you put take it, put it in his put brain. Put it in his head next yeah. to the year. Oh, no. <laughs> What does he <laughs> they brush up against each other. What, like, or or ask Eric with his chi brain and you know friends 
to find a way to block morphing signals. Mm-hmm. They, they, they learn to fake it really quickly. Couldn't yeah. They, can't you, like, do they, do they cancel out? Or these, like, Make my- 20 of those, send them in different directions, sneak onto the helicopter and steal the Helmicron ship, which is apparently how they're doing this, by, like, yeah. putting the tiny Helmicron ship into the helicopter and using it as a, I don't know, homing device? It doesn't make any sense. But, great, wouldn't it be a better idea to just spend all night running through the woods as wolves? No. Here's why. I like to sleep. <laughs> not doing this. It's not even like you get the benefit of the exercise. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, it was a. Fa- it was like just completely haphazard. They really weren't thinking strategically at all in this entire book, Even except Rachel- when they had a strategy, and it was the worst strategy ever. Even Rachel was like, "We really need a plan." Like when <laughs> Rachel's like, "We need a plan," as opposed to just charging Ooh, in and mauling everyone. That's when you know yeah. things Why have gone off the rails. Why was on in this Rachel book? was excellent in this book. She was. I loved everything Rachel said in this whole book. <laughs> I love how she's like, I just can't get right with this. Like, this is my assistant principal. This is just weird. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. When she's like, I hate these philosophical questions. There's never a clear answer. <laughs> Thank you for articulating the frustration. Also, is the are the Yerks tracking just this just a random question? Are the Yerks tracking morphing energy so as to find the Escavil device or to find the animorphs? Yes. Both, I guess? Because one of those seems more Yerk well, friendly than the other. They don't know what they're tracking. This also like it doesn't make sense, right? So they are tracking the morphing energy to the truck with Cassie and the buffalo and the Escafil device mm-hmm. in it. And it seems like the Animorphs do not give off morphing energy unless they are in morph, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. human sure. Animorphs, Axe, Tobias, they're fine. But when mm-hmm. they morph, they can be tracked. And so when the truck is opened at the checkpoint, you would kind of expect all the controllers to expect there to be Andalites in the truck. Mm-hmm. And yet they are surprised when they are attacked <laughs> by two African Cape Buffalo. That's a good point. After being warned that there were still Buffalo. So, yeah. so I don't know what they were expecting. No. To find. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Well, the Yerks have been shown to be incredibly incompetent time and time again. Yeah, I yep. see, like, I don't understand why they're worried about the Yerks infesting the Buffy human. The Yerks would never do that. Like, why <laughs> would you even think that the Yerks would infest the Buffy human? I mean, maybe they've never that's infested not a danger. Visser Ward, like, sends an email being like, yo, dummies, like, just do the thing. They would have to, they would have to realize that this Buffy human had somehow acquired morphing energy. They would have to infest it. They would have to teach it how to speak. And then they would have to interpret its speech patterns to That's match not it. True. Well, to can't, a morphing... like, Yerks just, like, The absorb... Yerk could just read its memories, and then the Yerk could go into a different host and uh, report what it saw. All right. Which, assuming that they weren't evil, Yerks would make fantastic therapists. <laughs> we just discussed this. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a good point. I, I'm i still not on board. No, yeah. neither, nor, I nor am was, I, but... but now I'm not. Like, how do I get you out of there if yeah. I, like... <laughs> is there, like, an off button? Well, you just don't pay your insurance. Go pay me. <laughs> so, as much as the plot doesn't really make any sense, I do like what they were going for with, like, the Cassie being pushed to her limit, both, mm-hmm. like, physically and morally throughout this book, right? Mm-hmm. So Cassie and kind of this, like... And it's a, it's a situation where she has to make a lot of game time decisions. And again, like, the plot doesn't super justify it, but I really like the idea of, like, okay... Cassie's on her own in the gardens, and all the other Animorphs can't really help her. They're, like, giving her advice, but she's kind of the one who's in danger, and she has to do these things. And then, like, later on, we talked about throwing yourself off of a cliff, like, destroying your body because you know you can morph heal. Mm. It's, like, a thing that the Animorphs have had to do before, but it's, like, this is a really gruesome reminder of, like, the kind of stuff that they have to do, even on these kinds of, like, stupid missions that come out of nowhere, right? She got so, like, held on a stick. 
Yeah. Even though it's a completely absurd, ridiculous, over-the-top, like, day-in-the-life of an Animorph thing. I do like just seeing Cassie go through this and then kind of, like, get to the end. And she's like, I'm so exhausted and upset, and I have failed at doing everything. And it was, like, pretty pointless and stupid, and I hate everything. Right? Like, I like that as a Cassie story. Do you have to pull the stick out before you demorph? I think the buffalo is significantly larger than she is, so she probably demorphed away from it. Well, it does weigh like a ton, so I would assume. Yeah. But no, Ted, I like your point. I, I like the point that, like, much as I am mad at the seagull ex machina at the end, <laughs> it is, like, a very disheartening night that they go through. And I don't know, it probably, like, thematically in the whole larger picture of the series, like, it's a rough one. Cassie has, like, made peace with you know, lying to not just, you know, her family and all of her friends, but also the other Animorphs. So, mm. you know, this is just one more step. Do you guys want to talk about Cassie and Jake in this book? The, the, oh, the, sure. the, the hand touches. <gasps> he puts his hand over hers. As he's trying to make a difficult decision. <laughs> there was one one moment that I particularly appreciated, which was Jake scolds her. Because Cassie is a deer, but also kind of dumb sometimes. Uh, she drops the blue box mm-hmm. in front of a number of taxons and probably Horkbiji or something. She drops the box and launches herself at the taxons in order to protect Tobias. Which, mm-hmm. very sweet. Mm-hmm. But again, also very dumb. And Jake very sternly says to her, don't do that again. Don't leave the morphing cube anywhere. There could have been another taxon waiting to grab it. And then what? Good point, Jake. He also is apparently doing this in... It's not private thought speak because other people know about it. So he's broadcasting that, which uh, maybe private thought speak would have been better. Anyway, he was right, but his scolding tone still hurts. So she mumbles, sorry. And Jake tells Rachel to drop back and essentially protect Cassie. And Cassie and Rachel have a private thought speak moment where Rachel explains... Jake's behavior to Cassie, which seems weird because Jake could just do that and yeah, I mean Jake does apologize, and then eventually he says, "I'm I'm sorry, I shouldn't have scolded you," which was like good. Well, Jake is apparently also really, really bad at private thought speak because at the end he's (laughs) trying to have a private thought speak. Oh no, no, no. that was Cassie said something out loud in response to the private thought speak. uh, Yeah. Is that what happened? Because it seemed like they just knew what Jake had so, said to her. Yeah. I thought... I, I it was a private thought speak I mean, Rachel. It is, <laughs> it is good that Jake, like, apologizes and, like, they actually connect. Because I feel like before that, Jake and Cassie are, like, not doing too well in this book. Their interactions are all pretty weird. Mm-hmm. The thing that you were just mentioning... So, like, Cassie saves Tobias bad choice. She should she should know better. The Morphin Cube is the whole reason they're they're in this. Even though, of course, you know, Tobias needed saving and she was the one who saw the opportunity, right? Who knows if another one of the other Animorphs could have saved him in time. But then when Rachel comes back and is like, hey, yeah, Jake is right. Like, don't don't be too mad about it. Cassie's like, he should trust me to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty, is like, Cassie's like being a pretty bad soldier here, right? Like, they need to, especially in like, the book of like chase scene after chase scene for them to have a chance of surviving. You just got to do, you got to let someone make the calls and follow orders. And then like, even after, so like they have this nice thing where Rachel's like, yeah, Cassie, that's great. You can do the right thing. And I'm going to do the necessary thing. Right. (laughs) Which is like a fun way of saying who those two characters are (laughs) and talking about the themes of the MMR series. Right. But then 
immediately after this, Jake is like, okay, Cassie, you run ahead with the cube and leave us to fight. And Cassie, like, hesitates for, like, a minute, being like, oh, should I really listen to Jake? You know, he just, I just didn't listen to him, it was bad, but I'm going to run on, okay, fine, I'll run on ahead. Right? Like, this is, like, a problem that she yes, has. And it's yeah. a problem for the Animorphs. And this is not the first time that this has come up. And right? it will not be the last. Was it the last Cassie book where she... There was one recently where she, like, spent time arguing with Jake. Oh, in 35, when she's like, Jake, this isn't the enlightened approach to talking yes, to Yes, that one! Yeah. Didn't like that. This was but, weird, though, because it was like, he should trust me to do the right thing. This isn't a moral decision. This is like, these are tactical decisions. Also, what are you talking about? And this is important. Then do the right thing. Once you have demonstrated <laughs> to me that you are able to make a good decision in the heat of battle, sure, next time I will. But, so, right. But it's also like, I don't want to put everything on Cassie because earlier, so Cassie's been through the, <laughs> the buff a human experience. Is that um, what we're calling it? The Buffy Human Experience? <laughs> and she meets up with Jake for the... Or I guess it's just like the whole thing where she's alone and escaping. And she finally joins the other Animorphs. And Jake is like, oh my god, Cassie, are you alright? And she is like, I'm like so upset right now. And like, I'm so overwhelmed. And she's like, I'm fine. And he's like, okay, good. And smiles at her. Like, completely missing it. No acknowledgement that he is like able oh, to read no. her and like understand what's going on here. It's been a long day. No, I know. But like, and I feel like that tension kind of simmers through the rest of the book. Ultimately, he does apologize, which is nice. Yeah, um, but there's is not the same kind of lighthearted, supportive relationship that we have yeah, seen from other did you? What did you think couples. of the the way that she introduces Jake in this book? How like does in chapter she? One. I forget what's leading up to this, but she says, that's why Jake, our leader, doesn't like us using the Morse for our own purposes. I can't say I never have. There's nothing like frolicking as a sleek, playful dolphin, and being a horse has certainly come in handy on occasion. But I like Jake a lot. Okay, maybe I feel even stronger than like. And what he says makes sense, so I try not to do anything that would put us at risk. What a weird conflation of ideas. Yeah. Also, it's a try weird... harder, baby. No, but it's just a weird <laughs> thing of like, okay, Jake's the leader, but he's also my boyfriend, and like, and he's right. So like, those so are those all... those are the reasons why. <laughs> those are all the reasons, and they're all the same, and there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing bad about confusing them. Oh, man. I just looked up the thing at the end with the... It's like Jake says a bunch of stuff to her in private thought speak. And then she says out loud because she's in human form. Me too. And then Tobias. Tobias, you should know better. Mm -hmm. um, she says, me too. Me too what? Tobias asked. And then Marco says, it's private thought speak, bird boy. Jake's getting all Dharma and Greg on us with Cassie. Tobias, you have... A relationship with someone where you can often thought speak and she can often not. Uh, do you not understand these dynamics, buddy? Apparently not. Nope. <laughs> there was a lot of hauling in this book. <laughs> there was some excellent hauling. <laughs> let's haul! There was some excellent riffing on let's do it in this book. Mm. At some point, Jake says let's do it. And he's like, sorry, Rachel, that's your line. And she's like, fine, just don't let it happen again. <laughs> and, uh, and then later, Rachel starts to say it and Marco finishes it in his best superhero voice. Greg, do you know how many books there are? There are 54 plus, like, six other ones. Ten. Ten other ones. If you count Alternomars. Yes. I would not include Alternomars. That's fair. 64-ish. Um, <laughs> the reason I ask is because, like, if I recall correctly, we are rapidly approaching the beginning of the end. So this is a really bad one to transition to it. Wow, Kevin, it sounds like you're talking about the ending to Grey. No. He would never. <laughs> he would never. But also, here's a question I have for you. Mm. 
There are other good ones between here and the end, right? Yes, and I would, without getting into any detail detail at all, I would say that the end, like the last five in particular, are good to great. Great. Ted has told me that there are good books in the end. I remember very little from this point on. Well, Jenny did not remember this book at any point (laughs) while reading it. I think it's because she was so upset about the tragedy of the Buffy human that that she blocked it out. And it's not that Jenny just doesn't remember the books that aren't any good. (laughs) (laughs) So So Jenny not remembering the rest of the series means it's just like the the pain and the tragedy. There's a buffalo that dies in every book. I did read this and I was like, I don't remember this at all. This is so weird. This is definitely real, though. It's got to be real. And then I looked at my paper copy and it is real. (laughs) You guys are now pranking yourself and so all of the times when I show up and I'm like this can't possibly be true from now on I feel absolutely no responsibility for you You did this to you (laughs) is it possible that you blanked this book from your memory because it finally revealed to you how terrible morphs are (laughs) was it because of the morph into the buffalo the morphing descriptions in general in this book are truly horrible, and it is clear to me that the ghostwriter is also like, do you know what's awful? Morphing. <laughs> Real gross. Let's talk about it. Grinding, crunching. I cannot swear squelching. that that is not why I blocked it. Because it's real gross. Do, we, do you want to read some of them? I think the ghostwriter really likes onomatopoeia, too. <laughs> there were a lot <laughs> of... Duck, duck, duck. Oh, yeah, because the morphs in 27 were really disturbing and descriptive. Yeah. There are a number of very. You want to get morphs. some of the buffy human? I'll get some of the ant. Oh, yeah, great Wait idea. You ha- you ha- I saw on your screen there you have a Cassie yelling at her mom's terrible driving quote. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Well, this one isn't the buffy human, this is the wolf, but my skull shattered and ground into a canine skull. <sighs> Have you ever broken a bone? Yes, I broke my nose. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. I did actually write down the morph to Buffalo. The crack. My skull split straight down the center. Yes. Also icky. Um, Okay, so then the Buffalo is... (laughs) This poor thing. I'm going to like skip around a little bit, but... Its eyes were bulging with panic, its mouth gaping in a silent scream. Because instead of the Cape Buffalo head and face. It was Chapman's head and face. Sprouted a human leg covered with coarse black hair. Um, The Chapman's skull split in the center and a pair of horns flowed from the crack like waves. Yeah, and like the thing is, if you take it, if you you can manage to take it seriously, it's truly horrifying. It's like really, really, really painful to imagine what the buffalo's going through. It, the buffy human, Chapman or whatever it was, crawled and lurched toward me on its hands and knees, Ooh. trying to charge to hook me with its non-existent horns to kill me. It's on two legs, and then it's on four legs, and then it, oh, it's all terrible. It would be really traumatic to morph and not know what that is. Yes. It's traumatic for them when they know it. Supposedly it doesn't hurt. Yeah, but it's disturbing, and they always say it's disturbing, and they understand it and have a lot of experience with it, and the poor buffy human does not. Or a human. Is it um, ant time? Sure, go for it. Oh, Cassandra. Something was moving in front of me. Something was growing. Fast, black, bulging, three inches, eight inches. Now it was a foot high. It was an ant. Antenna waving and pincers snapping, and it was getting bigger. Its arms and legs waving, hair sprouting from its bulby head. Hair? 
The tips of its top pair of legs swelled and fingers erupted. Its segmented body melted and ran together, reshaping into a sturdy human form. Wide human eyes popped out of its head, flanking a strong, familiar-looking nose. Shwip! Shwip! Its pincers were jerked halfway back into its head, leaving the lethal tips spasming, and in between them in some horrible, terrifying morphing disaster, the ant's face split vertically and lips formed, opening wide in a silent scream as gleaming white teeth erupted from the pink gums. Please, no. I was gazing at myself. What? It split vertically and lips erupted? It writhed and jerked, body parts melting, then hardening from ant to human and back. Antenna burst from its human skull, were sucked back in, then shot out again. It looked around, eyes bulging with panic. Same. (laughs) Same phrase there. And opens its mouth in a scream straight out of my worst nightmares. Ah! Raw torment. No, no, I sobbed. I tried to run, to get away from this hideous mutation of me, from this insanity. But I tripped over a branch and went down hard on my back. Instantly, the ant sprang, landed on top of me. Reared up, pincers opening and closing, arms melting back into spindly ant legs, then remorphing into human ones, blocking my frantic punches and kicks, growing shiny white teeth in a wide, wet, keening mouth, and then shifting back into ant mandible. The pincers clamped down on my arm, squeezed hard, harder. It was going to snap my arm, and the pain was unbearable. Then the buffy human arrives. The buffalo lifted its head and scented the air, tossed its horns. The ants cast a scream, (laughs) dropping me and wheeling to face it. Crying, cradling my torn and bloody arm, I dragged myself out of the way. The ant Cassie, antenna waving madly and pincers snapping like the jaws of a steel trap, ran crazily at the buffalo. Thunk! The buffalo twisted its horns and gored it right through the stomach. It screamed, (laughs) arching backward, beating on the buffalo's head with its fists and finally with a wet popping sound, pulling itself free. Ah. No, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Gray's enjoying that. Oh, yeah. It staggered backward, clutching its bloody abdomen, pincers snapping weakly, and human mouth opening and closing. I was watching myself die, not as a human or an animal, but as a terrifyingly mindless drone. A nightmare. I threw up in the bushes, sat up and wiped my mouth. The buffalo cried out in triumph. But it wasn't really triumph, because instead of dying, the ant Cassie was shrinking, demorphing into a vile jumble of ant human parts, growing tinier and tinier. No, I croaked. I staggered over, stomped the ground, stamped and crushed everything and everywhere, slammed my bare feet down again and again and again until it had to be dead, because such a hideous abomination could never, ever be allowed to live. And then a little (laughs) later, the buffalo had relaxed a little and was eating the spare grass at the edge of the woods. Sparse grass. (laughs) The grass that the woods didn't need. Gross. (laughs) And the buffalo dies. So, okay, Ted, when you read that scene, it is, like, legitimately horrifying. I think it didn't really register with me. I don't know if it registered with me at the time. Apparently not that strongly. But, like, even this time, just because at the beginning I was like, no, an <laughs> ant cannot morph. I get it. And I, I just it. didn't yeah. take, like, it was just kind of checked out of the scene. Yeah. This is, like, 75% of the way through, but still somewhere in the middle of that scene, she says, the pain woke me up. And I was like, oh, thank God, it's it was, all a dream. I thought the ant part <laughs> oh. was going to be a dream. I thought it was, like, it's been a long night. She fell asleep, was yeah. dreaming that an ant was morphing her. No. I still would have been mad, but I would have actually, I think, been less mad. They were like, just kidding. I shouldn't help you, Greg, but hang on to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, I should have put that in my bingo. <laughs> I did not. So, uh, speaking of terrible descriptions, there is uh, this description of the battle. It was a bloody, gruesome scene. Severed hork arms and legs twitching in the dirt. Growing pools of blood. Taxons feasting, drooling like something out of a slasher movie. 
only this was real. In case there was ever any doubt that we are an incredibly violent society. Yeah. It's not good. It's so, so bad. So bad. Also, that was where I was like, they are going to run out of work this year. Yeah. <laughs> really, any minute now. Do their limbs grow back? No. Do we know? No, they just no. die. I mean, they, they're very resistant to pain. And they heal I, very quickly. I guess I don't know that for sure. I mean, we had a work with you literally, like, cut open his own skull to, like, show right. that there wasn't a yeah, healing Yeah, that was, like, a healing cut. No, but a... they also have the thing where they, like, they um, let the wolves bite them, right? Oh, so, like, true. there was something. I don't know if it was healing or pain or whatever, but... I feel like their whole limb wouldn't grow back. They're lizards? But I guess... Yeah. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess we don't know. I, I shouldn't creatures. Let's not. <laughs> I mean, if I was going to make a biologically created tree creature, I'd want them to be able to regenerate a limb. They're covered in razors. I'm glad you have plans. It's <laughs> a good um, point. Can I, we, just can we talk about Cassie's description of herself, though? Apparently, she thinks of herself as having a sturdy build with gleaming white teeth and a strong nose. You know, if I saw my nose coming out of an ant, I'm not sure I would recognize it. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't. You'd be like, what a strong nose, though. <laughs> Those teeth are really white. <laughs> Gleaming, even. I do want to... So, I like the exposition in the first chapter. I think it's the most efficient exposition that we've ever had. Mm. The first paragraph is, My name is Cassie, and you wouldn't know it to look at me, but I'm in the middle of a violent war to save Earth from an alien parasitic species <laughs> called the Yerks. Yep, get right down <laughs> there to go. it. Right, yeah. Good job. Bravo. And then later there's a really good there's a really good part that talks about like why she's in the fight, right? So she says, the mm. risk isn't the worst of it. This is a war and people die. And using this power to destroy others is hard to get used to. But as much as I hate inflicting pain and sometimes death on the other Yerk-infested species, I can't just sit back and allow their evil to consume us, the human race, too. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is also really good, efficient, who Cassie is. That is yeah. a good summary. Did you highlight the line about how she's like made peace with lying to everybody all the time? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, right. So she, it's, it's, this is actually to Jake, right? She says, I'm fine. I lied. Being an Animorph had made lying a necessary evil for all of us. And then, good, because I've got some pretty decent news, Jake said, smiling. <laughs> so yeah. I just want to want, so Cassie's in the barn at the beginning and, you know, she's always wearing her barn outfit, her jeans or whatever. But in this scene, she tucks the Escafil device into the waistband of her jeans. So how big is an Escafil <laughs> device and or how elastic <laughs> are Cassie's jeans? Okay, if they're elastic, 90s reference. If not, at various <laughs> points during this book, the Escafil device is put into the mouth of a wolf and uh-huh. a cape buffalo. Uh-huh. Both of whom have large mouths compared to humans, but yeah. we're not talking, you know, hippo here. I assume Okay, but like I think Rubik's it's cube. like this big at most. I think you put this in a wolf's yes. mouth. Okay, so let's call it Rubik's Cube size. Yes, traditional yeah. Rubik's Cube. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know who can probably carry a Rubik's Cube? Who? It's a hawk. Uh, I don't know. It's probably also a lot heavier than a Rubik's Cube. What is the cube? low capacity there's no, of a red-tailed hawk? There's no... <laughs> maybe if they stretched a line between two of the birds... And, and there's, uh, there's your probably anvil. There's probably not a, like, good gripping place. Like, there's not a good grip you can get on an Escafil device. Mm-hmm. But if they broke it into its component parts... Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> oh, apparently and... a red-tailed hawk can carry up to five pounds. Wow. Yeah. Okay, you know, it probably doesn't weigh more than five pounds. That's, yeah. Well, Tobias was worried that if he carried it, it would fall to pieces and scatter <laughs> to the ground. So That would be fine. I, no, how, I, how fragile is it? Smash it with a hammer. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Gray. I take it back. It's a defensible. 
you made me remember rules, and then you broke them all. And then you. <laughs> I know there's 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 a really nice Marco moment at the end where like Cassie tries the anvil maneuver, and so before the helicopter just moves, all the animorphs are looking up and being like, "Cassie's screwing up the morph. She just we're just she's gonna get killed by this helicopter." And then they come down and like. Someone says something about how, like, Marco was, or Marco's trying to, like, play it cool, and Rachel's like, no, but, like, Marco, you were, like, screaming, like, hoping that Cassie would be okay. And I really, you know, I like that he's, he was, uh, so demonstrative this towards <laughs> Cassie. The whole scene at of, the end is actually, uh, mm, let's talk about that. It's very adorable, because he is, he's screaming, right, as Cassie is falling through the air. But what he says is... Uh, you missed all the fireworks, Cassie, Marcus said. One minute we're watching this whale the size of a FedEx truck dropping out of the sky, and we're thinking, uh-oh, she's not big enough to take down that helicopter and live through it. You weren't thinking it. You were screaming it, Rachel said sweetly. Screeching like a bad set of brakes, Jake teased. Emitting a loud and continual series of high-pitched shrieks similar to an unauthorized entry into a dome ship airlock, Axe added. Silence. <laughs> well, it was an accurate comparison, Axe said defensively. Marco giggles and says, it sure wasn't funny, Axe man. Uh, and then he cackles like Flipper. Your humor is highly <laughs> overrated, Axe muttered. <laughs> it certainly is when Marco uses it, Shake said. <laughs> anyway, Marco said loudly, here you are falling through the sky. And all of a sudden, all right, the gull gets knocked at the whatever, who cares? Mm-hmm. Um, and Cassie says, yeah, yeah, a gull got sucked into the helicopter's engine, but that was nothing compared to the Aunt Cassie that almost killed me back in the woods with its pincers. I stopped. The buffalo saved my life. You had an aunt who tried to kill you with her pincers, Rachel said, giving me a playful nudge. Boy, and I thought Tobias's family was bad. Rachel! <laughs> Not that kind of aunt, I said crassly. I know, Rachel said. Geez, where's your sense of humor? Probably caught back in the dome ship's airlock with axes, Marco muttered. This whole scene is like, what? <laughs> Do you- Listen, we've all had a very stressful night. I understand yeah, they're the all a little giddy, a little punch like, drunk. Hilarious. But wait, wait, wait. What happens after that? The, the end of this book is genius. Okay, you, so have, you gotta forgive there, a lot then. because of how good the ending is. Okay. Please, please. It's so good. So then they do the, um, Jake says to Cassie, you know, the private thoughts be, Cassie, you did great. Marco wasn't the only one freaking out. You were burned pretty bad and we were going crazy. You were only half conscious, but that was enough. I'm glad you were able to demorph. Me too, I said out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tobias says, me too, what? It's private thought speak, bird boy, Marcus said. Jake's getting all Dharma and Greg. That's my 90s reference, by the way. On us with Cassie. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Oh, it's super cute. It's I'll make you watch show, it. Right? Okay. It's a very cute show where he's like super conservative and buttoned up and she's like this hippie, freewheeling, whatever, and then they get married on their first date and the Whoa! rest of the series is them trying to figure out how to live together and it's huh. adorable. Okay. Uh, so Jake's getting all Dharma and Greg on us with Cassie. Cassie, why don't you morph to dolphin? Let's get out of here, Jake said. I'm done with this day at the beach. How about you guys? Your wish is my command, Prince Jake, Marco said. Then I wish you'd be quiet, Jake drawled. Ha ha, Axe said. Ha! We all looked at him, amazed. That was, I believe, the appropriate response to human humor, correct? He said calmly. <laughs> I quit, Marco said. If Axe is going to ha ha after all of Jake's feeble jokes from now on, I swear I quit. But he wouldn't, and we knew it. None of us would, no matter how bad the odds or the humor. The end. That is how you, oh, this man. book, that is how it ends. Oh, the man. ending was delightful. The rest of the book was dreadful. Since we're on the subject of the very end. Axe has completely mastered humor. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is, he tells a bad joke, only to set up his amazing joke about laughing. 
later on. He's a master, okay. yeah. He's a master. Yeah. He is, I think, officially the funniest animal. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes on purpose and sometimes not, and either way it's great. But we can't tell the difference, actually. I think we, yeah. What were you going to say, Ken? Just because we're there, like... When has Jake ever drawled before? When has Rachel ever purred? <laughs> Rachel purrs? <laughs> yes. Hey, you know too if shakes were uh, eyeing you up like sushi, Marco retorted. We were all in the water. Remember Rachel purred? Like, what? what? Oh, I hate oh, that. Oh, God. Well, like, I wish you'd be quiet. <laughs> exactly. Like, just the simile. They're really losing it. <laughs> just all doing voices. I am also losing I, it. I feel like this writer had, like, a very, very large glass of wine while they were finishing this one. And they went to Gray's whiskey tasting. You know, th- this book would be better if you were, like, just, you know, drinking a bottle of wine to yourself. <laughs> you could probably finish it in a sitting. The wine or the book. Great. Well, I've got, I've just got one more question for you. Yes. What was the hidden? <laughs> Nothing well enough. <laughs> the, uh, the theme? <laughs> the, the purpose? Is it meant to be the, the meaning? device? I, I hate these titles. <laughs> I think it's them. I'm just bummed that Cassie didn't go to a leadership conference. Because that would have been cool. That would have been great. I really wanted her to go to a leadership conference. That was Jenny's prediction. That was awesome. Do we have anything else to say about this book? I have a few other things. Okay. So, you guys made fun of me last time. What? Us? For... (laughs) We would never. <laughs> what? You're right. I'm sorry. You didn't. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Time for you to draw. <laughs> uh, for citing the moment where Cassie climbs over Marco's back as a cockroach as not actually <laughs> happens a again, thing. It happens again. It happens again. And this book. <laughs> I noticed that. Thank you for calling it out. Marco is a human because he, for some reason, is going to be the one to throw the Escafil device because he's the athletic Even though one, he has right? no athletic ability. Right. As Use Rachel or Jake. Anyway. Go on. Cassie has just morphed fly. She says... I gave in to the rush, zipped up, and landed on Marco's nose. Hey, he whispered, swiping at me. Who's the wise guy? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I said, buzzing circles around his head. They're totally more flirting. Yeah. They're totally more flirting. (laughs) Shut up, Greg. Flirting? Flirting. More flirting. (laughs) More flirting, yes. Yes. Love it. So also, I just want to comment on, like, I don't think I had quite realized when I read these when I was younger, how much in the 30s they were like, what the heck do we do with this series? I know, we'll just make morphing weird over and over again. Yeah. And obviously it was like a little bit heightened by the thing where we wrote 37 with the weird morphing. But still, like, <laughs> there have been so many instances of like, oh, the morphing rules don't work quite, like, way more than in any other, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. decade of the, the series. Right, yes, yeah, 32, 34, 35. And um, now 39. What do you think is the next weird thing that'll happen with Morphing Gray? How could I possibly predict? <laughs> um, okay, so I can't have... believe you didn't guess. An animal gets the ability to morph and acquires <laughs> Chapman and Inviscer 3. <laughs> like, that was real low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Normally, you're the queen of predictions. Shockingly. I'm only I mean, the queen so of predictions when, when books it. are written for me. <laughs> <laughs> you're often the queen of predictions. Okay, so, so far, morphs have gone wrong because of allergies because of uh, emotional distress. Fine. Because <laughs> they did it on purpose in Megamorphs. Because you guys wrote a book. Because the animal got the morphing power. What am I missing? Did we talk about Rachel getting split in two? Oh, no. And then Rachel gets split in two. Are there any more, Jenny? Or are you just messing with her? 
It's hard to get them together. No, There's I some weird stuff, of, but I'm not sure. Head, I'm not I sure don't they, remember the end of you the don't series. Remember. <laughs> you don't remember. <laughs> do you remember Wait. if there are any more, like, where they mess with morphing? Because there's definitely... Um, don't tell her. Okay. Don't so, Don't say what it is, but do you think there are So there's one, but I'm not sure it... I think you're right. There is one that the, the, I'm thinking the, of, but the, I don't think there's it one that I'm thinking of. But I'm yeah. I'm fairly certain it doesn't like count in the way that we're thinking of it because it's I mean because it's spoilers. Because it's spoilers. Got it. Yeah. There and then finally, last thing that happens between now and the end of the series is uh, Megmar. Like okay. the tiger. You know, like yeah, like when they had the ears inside the yeah. Like in I, I'm still just disappointed they haven't like come up with like a chimera fighting beast. Oh, wait until you read the new thirty-seven. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think there's going to be some kind of megamorph, or they're going to accidentally somehow acquire each other's morphs. Mm, by, that's cool. I don't know, making out or something, and then all of a sudden <laughs> Cassie can morph a tiger and. I'm <laughs> sure there is a fan fiction, and we're just going to completely skip over the fact that they're cousins. No, Cassie, Cassie and Jake. Cassie oh, and Jake. Make so out. Sp- just those two. Just those those two. Do they it are all going to make out with each other. Jake and Marco have to make out in order to complete the mission. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait for that one. Sorry, get to. <laughs> Depends what you ask. All right, I did have like a couple other Shoot. little things. All good, I hope. Oh yeah, obviously perfect things. So this passage. They might even kill us, Cassie says in her narration, but they wouldn't kill Axe. Axe would be given to a year up and coming in the ranks. We all knew that another Andalite body, even one that was really just a kid's, was a coup. Nope. They would infest all of you. What are you talking about? They're not going to kill you. Also, Visor 3 is not going to let him get infested. Well, okay, also that's not going to happen. But, like, there's no reason to be like, oh, yeah, they'll kill all the rest of us and infest Axe. Like, that, we've never seen that idea but before. Honestly, what is that? Since they know that the buffalo can morph... Shooting the buffalo is actually not something that they would ever do because Visor 3's priority oh, is always. Right. Oh, Visor they 3 totally murdered that guy. Say who fired that. Dragon. Yes, yeah. because at one point they're like, the the two of the controllers are talking and they're like, don't shoot them because Visor 3 would be really mad if we kill yeah. the Andalites. And then later they're like, what? Dragon beam. What? What? You already had this discussion like the same night half an hour ago. Incompetence is kind of their shtick. Sure, but they're that. You're actually, you know what? The people in the war, the helicopter, were probably like, "All right, we'll do a warning shot, and then they'll surrender." Boop! And then it blows up the buffy human. And they're like, oh no, Mr. Three's gonna Sorry. be so mad. We didn't know it would happen because we've never hit anything before. That's okay. <laughs> they didn't need to know. They don't need to worry about it because. They die in a fireball explosion <laughs> at the end of because this book. of a seagull. Uh, which, not, not for nothing, but if the Hemlock ship is really, really small, like, so, wouldn't it have survived the I explosion? Didn't, I, I like, didn't, no, just, fire, everything, explosion. I didn't want to say this earlier, but since we're, I think, winding down, one headcanon you could have is that, like, they're doing the anvil plan, and it's, like, clearly going to fail, and the Alamist is like... <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a seagull. That's the only way this makes any sense, honestly. <laughs> do I hate that more, or do I hate that less? It's really hard to say. No. I God really don't know. Ted, you've broken me. <laughs> I, I can't. I... How much will you hate it if I call it a planville? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Grace barely contained rage. Did we want to talk about 90s moments? <laughs> Please. I only had two. I, I had um, 
Stealing it would be a major victory for the Yerks, and they'd send an army to do it, not one bald guy in a Ford Taurus. I don't think they make Taurus anymore, but we had one in the 90s, and it was spectacular. It was, like, the station wagon with, like, the seat in the trunk that you'd open and it faced backwards. They loved that seat. Fords? Yeah, Ford Taurus wagon. I thought that was only in Wolfo wagon. That's awesome. No, it was it was very unsafe. We had Darman Greg. Do we have anything else? I didn't have anything. And Flipper. Oh yeah. Okay. Nice. So do we want to do the prediction or do you want to do some Animorphs news? Ooh, I can do some Animorphs news. <laughs> Animorphs news. Hey, so it's February and uh, yesterday or maybe today the um, audiobooks three and four came out. So Ooh. you can now hear a Tobias and a Cassie mm. read the encounter and the message. So I'm super excited about that. And on the day of the release, so I guess it was yesterday, the audiobook narrator for the Rachel books, who has recorded two and seven at this point, did an Ask Me Anything on the Animorphs subreddit and was looking for people to ask questions and, you know, talk about what Animorphs things were like. And so mm-hmm. I asked her a bunch of questions and she responded. Well, so I asked what we can do to get them to create more audiobooks after the first eight. I asked her what her favorite character to read lines for besides Rachel is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I asked her if she's kept up with the Animorphs fandom at all. So she said, I wish I knew the answer about how many sales we need to guarantee future books, but it's way beyond my security clearance. Haha. Hopefully we can generate interest among the younger generation in this great series. I've started one of the young kids I know on the series and he loves it. My favorite character other than Rachel to read is Marco. He cracked me of up course. so much as a kid, and it sometimes takes a few times to get the snark right, but he is so funny at the perfect moments. A close third is Axe, because he's so stilted and sincere and so <laughs> off-base half the time. I definitely cracked up in the booth on a couple of his lines, and had to tell the engineer recording me all about the Cinnabon episode in the middle of our <laughs> session, because it might be my favorite moment in the whole series. I had not kept up with the Animorphs fandom at all. It was such a shock to me. It was so alive and active. In fact, I didn't have any connection to it as a kid either, so it never occurred to me that it was a thing. I can't believe how awesome this forum is. was definitely lurking and checking out some of the seriously deep discussions you all get into. Now I'll have to look into podcasts too. Oh no. There's not enough time to consume all the amazing media arc. Then she replied on another comment. I didn't respond to the part about my favorite Rachel book. I only remember two and seven because I haven't read the series in 20 years. But Seven is by far my favorite. I relate deeply to the mm-hmm. heaviness of the decision she has to make and how she's weighing Seven that through the whole book, as well as her anger and frustration at being handed more than she should have to deal with at her age. I also think it's great that the authors weren't afraid to entrust kids with serious things like that. This is Emily Ellett. I think I probably forgot to say her name earlier on, but it's Emily Ellett is the audiobook narrator for uh, oh. Rachel for the new series. And yeah, she seems super friendly. She's talking to people about like how she got into her career that's great. Is there anyone they have a cast yet? It's the first eight books, skipping Megamorphs 1, so they have the six protagonists cast, because it goes all the way to the first Axe book. If that's the case, you could like try to do Megamorphs 1 as like an audiobook. I know. Or, I'm sorry, an audio A full drama. cast. A, a full Ooh, cast audio yeah. drama. That would be very cool. I know. That would be, very, like, that would be great. Running through the woods with sound effects. <laughs> but the thing about it that's tough is, so the eight books are... Not coincidentally, I'm sure, the eight that they re-released in 2011. So, like, yeah. they kind of fixed some continuity things and updated some of the references. But there's not that much continuity stuff. And no, honestly, but, the reference updates were really clumsy. Right. So what I'm yeah. saying is, I don't know. To me, that means there must be, like, some threshold that they have to meet before they're going to produce more. Yeah. But they're doing two a month. 
through April. That's awesome. Um, she talks yeah. about how she had sisters, and she always thought that, like, mm-hmm. one of her sisters was Rachel and one was Cassie, so she was, like, Jake. But then <laughs> when they got older, her sisters were like, we always saw you as Rachel. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Now she's Rachel. Yeah. Sweet. A compliment. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was telling Jenny Rachel this. Rachel is awesome. She described, she just got this opportunity randomly, but she got, like, a, you know, she was solicited. It was like the subject line was, do you remember the Animorph series? And apparently she was like, I do remember the Animorph series. I need to get this job. And so she like worked with a coach to like get it perfect. Oh, so cool. So that's really cool. Good for her. That was very cool. Are we ready? To predict? To predict the other? Yes. All right. So number 40. It's a Marco book. Mm-hmm. It's called The Other. Ooh, I like this cover. Why? <laughs> what is wrong with your brain? No, you don't. So, he looks kind of cute great. in the second He's one. He's adorable. Let me look, look away. I just want to look at what the... Yeah, the inside's fine. Good luck. By fine, you mean not useful. Okay. It's <laughs> um, marginally useful, I guess. This is truly horrifying. <laughs> what, Jenny, just look at this one. Look at the one with his like, okay, little jeans and Okay, the weird abs is really bizarre. Look at this one where he has He's, two legs and four arms, and the arms both have t-shirts. Look at his little, like, his extended <laughs> stinger butt thing. His arms both have t-shirt sleeves. Look, look at this. <laughs> look at this. Why does his t-shirt morph? <laughs> Why do any of their clothes morph? You know. So that it can be yellow. And he, okay, so it's Marco. What is the, what is the sub? He's turning into a bee. The little subtext thing is, this is your brain. This is your brain with a year. Any questions? See, this is, is the kind of subtitle we could have gotten for 37, <laughs> but did not. Very, first of all, very aggressive. And second of all, I'm pretty sure we've already had a, this is your brain. This is your brain with a year. It was a very popular PSA. That seems like the kind of thing that they would do. I don't remember. I think it was something like that, only because, again, (laughs) any morsel of help. Who was it, Rachel Uh, Cook? I remember something about this one, so I can't help you. But there will definitely be some in the future where I can help you. Okay, so then the inside cover is the bee in some sort of greenhouse conservatory thing. There's nothing (laughs) useful here. So, in hopes, far reaching and often dash hopes that the title will be of any use whatsoever. I think the other is going to be another kind of alien or they're going to have to have interactions with another species of some kind, either one Mm -hmm. we've already seen or a new kind of alien. And just because I desperately want it to be true, I'm going to say it's the Helmicrons. Okay. And I'm going to say it's the Helmicrons because he's morphing into a bee. Mm. They are tiny. Helmicrons are tiny. Maybe there's something there. Also, I know that they don't listen to my morphing rules, but one of my <laughs> morphing rules is no more hive animals. Yep. So the fact yep. that they're morphing into a bee makes me very mad because we're going to have to have that discussion again. And I've already said to you, no more hive animals. So Great. what are you doing? Are you sure that's not a bee morphing into Marco on the cover? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so you're saying this isn't a Marco book, it's a bee book. Yeah. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Yeah, buzz, buzz. So actually the pages are just bee movement diagrams with like some pheromones smeared on them because that's how bees communicate. Until it morphs into human when it's like one half word every (laughs) other chapter in human more. It's really amazing that they went to these experimental lengths in a middle grade series in the, actually it was 2000 now. Yes, very impressive. I I, 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 I feel like I'm treading on thin ice here, Greg. I mean, maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. <laughs> Who can tell? All right, that's my they whole did prediction. Do some work with your that's a good prediction. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. I want the Helmicrons to come back because I really want, 
Now you're just going to predict specific I just want, bingo scores. I don't know if we said in any of the... I don't remember when I made a bingo card. It was probably 37. Oh, yeah, it was. It so was we might have cut that, so maybe no one cares. But that's all I got. I'm going to show Kat on my bingo card. All right. All right. I'm so and curious about this. Wait, wait. Thank you so much for coming, Kevin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kevin, it's oh, great. Yeah. So great to have you so on. So happy to have you. Oh, Always guys, wonderful fantastic. to have you back. Yeah. The, the book was not, but the conversation <laughs> was. You are. If you want to find us, we are at anamorphology.com and at anamorphology on Twitter. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends. And if you want to read along, you can find a link to the books on our website. We should have like a memorial to Buffy Human. Like Buffy Human Memorial Day? Like a little like bronze <laughs> statue of a Cape Buffalo with a with human Chapman's standing next head. to it.